What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Mexico Open. That's right, a brand new event, a brand new course, which means there are a lot of challenges, a lot of variables, a lot of things that we don't know about. We're going to be doing as much accurate guessing as possible, and we'll get it out of the way now. The field's kind of weak, right? It's, in fact, quite weak, but somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to have a 6 of 6 lineup that goes all the way. Why not you? So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to start like I always do with the golf course, but we don't have any data to go off of this week so or, or from, from previous years, so there's not a regression model. But I do have some information, some reconnaissance on the golf course. Let's jump into it right now. Okay, the golf course, Vidanta Vallarta in Mexico. Uh, I don't want this to be confused with the old WGC Mexico Championship. Completely different event, completely different field. The the old WGC, it doesn't exist anymore. You know, that was a, a limited uh smaller field invitational only. There was no cut and it was held at Chapultepec, which if you remember, I mean the driving statistics were crazy. It was through this jungle. It, it's it's a whole different thing. This is a completely different event. This is an open event. Uh, the Mexico Open has been going on for decades and decades, but now a full official PGA Tour event, so you get the full field. We're going to get the cut aspect, all that good stuff. Uh, the course itself is a, a Greg Norman design, and uh, what we know about it looks a lot like this this scorecard here. So what the, the resort uh, visitors play this as a par 73. Uh, it will play as a par 71 for the PGA Tour. So what they did is they took two of the par 5s and they turned them into par 4s. Now, I think it is generally very difficult to take a resort course and make it very hard for PGA Tour professionals without some outside assistance like wind. And it is possible that we get wind because if you read the media handbook for this week and you go through the hole by hole, it basically every single hole tells you, oh, there's crosswinds or what direction the wind usually blows in. I'll link this media handbook in the description. If you want to read through it, half of it's in Spanish. The other half is in English. If you want to read through the hole by hole stuff and get an idea for it, uh, certainly have at it. The link will be in the description. Uh, the just it's just very generous off the tee. Go look at the satellite images. Uh, go read up about this this course. Very generous off the tee. And what they actually kind of did here, I think, is really nice. So it's going to play seventy four hundred yards, par seventy one. I think it's going to be pretty long because what they did is they have two par threes, number nine and number thirteen, one seventy four, one seventy. And then they also have a drivable par four, which is early in the round. It is here, seven. So at 297. So those three holes are not long by tour standards. And then what they did is they took that extra yardage and essentially ratcheted up uh, on the par four. So there are, I mean, here's a par four at five, uh, 498, 520, uh, 496. Let's see what else we have. Uh, four or 505. I mean, there's some long par fours here. There's some long par threes. There's a par five at 637 yards. The other par five or another one is, is 603. Um, they, this is about the best you can do, in my opinion, of trying to take what is a, a course designed for vacationers to have fun and try to put up a test for the PGA Tour. I don't think it's going to be that big of a test. Outside of the wind, distance is not an issue. 
distance is, is it's just not an issue on tour. So I think they're still going to really take advantage of a lot of these holes. I think the scoring is going to be quite deep under par as long as, as there's not a, a wind situation or something like that. But I'll give them credit. Um, you know, looking at the scorecard, seeing what they were working with, I think they did a pretty good job. The bunkering is going to be the, the the key feature out here. Bunkering in water. That's that's Greg Norman, right? You look at the 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 satellite images. There's a lot of water, although I don't know how much in play it is. You know, you could argue that it's in play on ten or eleven holes, but is it actually in play for PGA Tour players, right? Like sometimes there's just kind of these lakes that are by the tee box. Well, that's not in play for a PGA Tour player. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of penalty shots based on what I'm seeing right now. I think it's going to be pretty generous off the tee, and I think you want some of these bombers. The other thing to consider is uh, it's past Palom greens or grass excuse me throughout the entirety of this golf course so obviously that means on the greens as well this is a strain of grass that does better in tropical climates where there might be you know salty air from uh, from from seas or from oceans nearby you see this in puerto rico you see it in bermuda you see it in punta cana you're going to see it here and it is generally uh, a thicker blade of grass uh, which means I believe that to mean that worse putters are actually a little bit better on this surface. Go back and look at some guys like Emiliano Grillo, uh, who have had a ton of success in these tropical locations. However, they they uh, and we don't have the putting stats because the strokes gain numbers don't travel to these places. But you can assume they're probably putting better than normal, or they're having more success in places with past pollen than others. Uh, the other thing is they generally have to run slower. So I think we're less than a mile away from water here, uh, which is going to create some of those wins that I think the media handbook is is talking about. And because of those wins. You can't run these things at a 13 on the stimp, right? You can't run them at a 14. They're probably going to be like 11. And then in general, slower greens are better for poor putters. They're better for poor around the green players. Um, not as super interested in in strokes gain around the green this week. I would consider um, like sand saves, something like that. There's just a lot of bunkers. There's just a lot of bunkers protecting a lot of these greens. I think that along with distance along with maybe some water that's going to be the biggest defense I don't think it's going to be much of a defense we'll see how it goes as the week goes on we'll keep an eye on the weather forecast and all that fun stuff but good job to the guys over to the team over at the Mexico Open trying to get this into to be somewhat of a tough uh test for PGA Tour players I don't think it's going to happen but good job working with what you have and of course again I will um I'll put the media handbook in the description if you want to read about each and every hole. It's worth your time. It's Just take a couple minutes. It's worth it. And uh, we'll jump over to the cheat sheet. All right, the cheat sheet. Oh, boy. Look at this field. John Rahm leads the way, obviously, $11,300. There are four other golfers over $10,000, and there's some names we really haven't seen up here in quite some time. Tony Finau, the second most expensive golfer, $10,400. Abraham Answer, ten three. Kevin Na, ten one. Patrick Reed, $10,000. Patrick Reed, ten thousand dollars wow okay so a lot to unravel here uh, especially after daniel berger withdrew on monday morning so odds makers moved john rom to a, a, essentially three and a half to one plus 350 there have been three instances on the pga tour dating back basically uh 10 years to 2013 
in which a golfer that has been that short, three and a half to one or shorter, has gone on to win the golf tournament. Uh, Dustin Johnson did it in 2020, the tour championship. He started at 10 under par, so I don't even know if you want to count that one. The other two instances, uh, Jordan Spieth did it at a John Deere Classic in 2015, and Roy McIlroy did it at the Wells Fargo Championship in 2015. That's it. That's it. This implies John Rahm is going to win this event 22% of the time. I mean, peak Tiger was winning 22% of the time, wasn't he? 25%? I mean, it's it's just such a tough ask. But I will say this. I, I don't think you could remotely bet John Rahm this week. But if you need access to him, this market, the DraftKings market, is probably the place to do it. You know, he could easily be... This is a soft price on the highest priced golfer. Now, there is a $900 gap between him and and Tony Finau, but I've said it before, I'll say it again. The only place you can get access to John Rahm at the moment is via DFS, in my opinion, unless you want to do matchups or whatever. But like that, that's the only thing. Um, Will this course set up well for him? Well, it's tough to say. Uh, we don't know a lot about it, but he is such a good driver of the golf ball that I, I actually wish it was harder to hit these fairways. I don't think they're going to be particularly difficult to hit. He is um, obviously a, a very good um, you know uh, approach player here, 12th on tour in strokes gained approach this season. He's phenomenal off the tee. He's actually number one in strokes gained off the tee this year. You look at his recent results. I mean, he just never loses strokes off the tee. He's been a little bit off on the second shot. I'm not as worried about that. The putter's starting to come around a little bit. It, the, the only problem is, remember when he was all upset at the American Express uh, about it being a putting contest? That's kind of what I think this is going to be, right? Everybody's going to be able to hit the fairway. Everybody's going to be up or near the green in two. Uh, I, I wish this was more difficult, right? That's where John Rahm knows this course sets up well for him. Or, or, or knows when a course sets up well for him is if it's, if it's more difficult. Uh, Tony Finau, I wish he wasn't 10-4, you know, you could have made the argument that Tony Finau should be $9,000, although we're going to get to some of those names, holy crap, in just one second. I actually am pretty optimistic about Tony Finau this week. So let me let me run this through you. Um, again, similar to Rom, you know, he is uh, very good off the tee, or at least long off the tee. And what his deficiency is, is accuracy. 167th in terms of driving accuracy. Well, it's super forgiving, super wide off these tees. No, no issues there, then he turns into a top 20 approach player. It's like, okay, now we're talking. Makes enough birdies. Look at some of the gains here recently. The driver starting to come back. Drove it well. Plus two in all three of the match play, the Valero Texas Open, and the Masters. Also this. Those three events, he's gained strokes with the putter in each of them. Gained two at the match play. Gained two at the Valero Texas Open. Was a very small positive at the Masters. I'm starting to see a little bit of breadcrumbs here. Obviously, one of his wins, Puerto Rico Open, came on past Palm. I, I, I'm seeing it, okay? I mean, listen, it's it's slim pickings this week. Pretty optimistic about Tony Finau. Um, on the opposite side, hard to think that Abraham Anser, that, that, that this is particularly a good setup for Anser outside of the fact that um, he's just going to be comfortable in Mexico. Like, that's literally it. I would probably prefer... Even Kevin Na, who Na's been really good. 26th at the Zurich, 14th at the Masters, 9th at the match play. Just puts the ball in the cup. He's someone that you kind of have to look at through a little bit of a different a, a different frame. And then Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed is $10,000. Is there is there a possibility we could play Patrick Reed here? Like, at all? Is there anything that points to Patrick Reed outside of variance having a good week this week? 
120th in accuracy. That's fine. But he's 195th in distance, which I think is going to be critical. Um, let's see. From the longer buckets, if you want to look at that, he's ranked outside the top 90 in basically every approach bucket. He's put is 56th in putting, which is not even all that good by his own standards. Let's look at his recent form. Uh, it's not good. You know, 35th at the Masters, didn't get out of his group of the match play. T26 of the players, that was fine. Lost five and a half strokes off the tee there. Missed three cuts before that. I mean, this is horrendous. It's bad. I can't imagine paying $10,000 for this. I'd rather basically go to anyone else. So the way that I see this, this top end shaking out, you're going to get, I think, um, kind of saturated ownership at the top. John Rahm, Tony Finau. There will be a little bit of Abraham answer love because we are playing in Mexico, and that's what's going to happen. I believe the pivot is going to be Kevin Na. And I guess you're going to get Patrick Reed at really low ownership because he's not deserving of this price tag. And if you just want to throw a dart, fine, but I do not see any evidence to back up that Patrick Reed is likely to have a good week. The $9,000 range is actually, I had, I could actually argue the $9,000 range is better than some of these guys in the 10K range. You know, Gary Woodland here at 9,900, I think is interesting. Aaron Wise at 9,500, even Cam Champ at 9,400. Let's talk about a couple of these guys. Um, Gary Woodland, to me, is, is, is back, right? I was, for a year and a half, basically the guy saying, I got to see more, I got to see more, we got to figure out if he's healthy or not. He looks healthy, he looks back. So the way that I see that is, uh, driving distance, 14th on tour. Love that. He's moving the ball again. Uh, strokes he had approached, 27th, right? When Gary Woodland was at his best, when he was our U.S. Open champion, he was a great ball striker. We're seeing that again. He's gained strokes on approach in six consecutive. The last time he did that, six straight events in which he's gained strokes on approach, it was the start of 2020. He had three top 10 finishes during that stretch, essentially. He had four top 12s. Uh, that was a really good stretch for him. It actually leaked into, it was actually, um, most of that was prior to the shutdown, then his first event, event back from the shutdown. But what is what is the good ball striking turned into this time around? Three top eight finishes in his last six starts. That's also the key with guys like Gary Woodland. And it's going to be the key for Ricky Fowler, right? I lumped these two into a bucket so much. Uh, well, now Gary Woodland's out of that bucket because he's ball striking it well, he's hitting it long, and it's now turning in to results. That's what the, we're going to keep an eye on for Ricky, too. When, if Ricky can find the putter again, we're going to see, okay, he's back with the DNA, and it's turning into results. That's when Ricky will be back. I can't say it yet. I can say it about Gary Woodland. Really impressive stuff here. Um, like the way he's setting up for this. Seems hungry enough. Seems in a really good, a really good place. I mentioned Aaron Wise. Uh, I don't think the story has necessarily changed on Aaron Wise. You know, I was very excited about him coming into the season. I remain cautiously optimistic. I was hoping that we would have gotten a win in the fall swing or uh, even into Florida. I thought those were better spots for him. He hits it far. He is still a top 30 tee to green player on the PGA Tour. He's gained strokes on the putting surfaces in seven of his last 11. It's a flat course. Right, I mean, I think there's worse spots. You could argue, and, and the putting's been better, but you could actually argue that that those Paspalum greens benefit guys like Aaron Wise, who generally can lose a lot of strokes with the putter and can lose a lot of strokes around the green. Neither situation should be as difficult on slower Paspalum greens. So maybe he doesn't lose four and a half strokes with the putter, like he did at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, still finished T17. Maybe he doesn't lose five at the Players' Championship 
still finished T50, right? Maybe he has a bad putting week and it's just a minus one and he contends a little bit. That That's kind of the, the recipe for Aaron Wise. And then um, a, a guy that I will have a tough time swallowing, paying $9,400 for is Cam Champ. But I think if there's, if there's ever a week, it's here. So to go back to kind of the scorecard and the idea around this, I think you got to be long. Or I think it's going to come in handy. You know, you look at guys that that take apart long par fours. Cam Champ is one of them. Guys who take apart par fives. Cam Champ, one of them. Um, he's just incredibly long. And and I, I mentioned seeing the breadcrumbs. I'm seeing the breadcrumbs with Cam Champ right now. He is such a... I'm, he's not even a streaky golfer. He does just kind of break out of slumps very, very quickly. Number one on tour and driving distance, 176th in accuracy. Don't care about that, uh, right? Because I, I think he's going to be able to keep it in play. Look at what he did at the Masters. Gained, what is that, nearly seven strokes in the ball striking categories? Um, coming off of two missed cuts and coming off of a run where he didn't really have any top 20s, any top 25s. That is not all that uncommon to this stretch of golf here last summer, right before his last victory. He went cut, cut, WD, cut, cut. We saw the ball striking at the John Deere, gained six off the tee, was a zero on approach, which was a huge improvement, and then he won the next week. And we were on it, right? Because he does this. He just needs one week to kind of get right and then he can contend, especially when you go to a place, you know, 3M open, that's a pretty good spot for him. How about his um, other victory? Uh, you know, kind of similar. He, you know, had three cuts leading in, and then it was a T21, T65, T28. You wouldn't argue he was playing lights out, and then he wins. I, I just think that he has the ability to kind of find one good week, especially now that he's going to a really good spot. So it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt paying $9,400 for Cam Champ, which is probably the most expensive that he has been in. Oh, my God. Let's just find out how, how long it's been uh, since, since Cam Champ has been this price. Let's see. Last year's Zurich Classic, the team event, he was ten thousand seven hundred. Uh, I think he played with Tony Fee now. He was ten eight at the twenty nineteen Houston Open, ten nine at the twenty eighteen RSM, and ninety nine hundred dollars at the twenty nineteen Sony Open. Those are really the only times he's ever been this expensive. So you are buying near an all time high, but I'll tell you what, I think I see it. I will admit there are some sneakier options here in the $9,000 range. So if you go to the power rankings, and I, I got to do this on the weighted side of things. So I got to take into account strength of field because there are so many corn fairy guys on here. If you don't look at, if you look at the raw data, you're going to get some names you might not be all that excited about. But last 24 rounds, weighted strokes gained in this field. John Rahm is number one, no surprise. Chris Kirk is number two. 9600 bucks. Then Abe Answer, then Gary Woodland, talked about him. Another $9,000 guy. Uh, Kevin Shrewland's eighth in this field. Russell Knox is 11th. They're both in the $9,000 range. Aaron Wise, Cameron Tregali, 16th and 17th. Now, you're starting to get outside of that. You know, they're priced higher than that, but they're they're playing okay. They're they're on the come up. They're they're doing fine. So, the 9K range, um, quite rich. I don't know if you could convince me. Well, you probably could convince me to fade the whole thing. You probably could convince me to fade the whole darn thing. Uh, I'll have to think about that. Maybe we'll cover that in the live chat on Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. But, man. I could make a case for fading that entire $10,000 range. Uh, $8,000 range. Let's see what we've got here. Ooh, mama. Maybe we just skip this range altogether too. No. Um, so the way, it's it's a small $8,000 range. The way that I see this is you've got a couple of guys who 
played well at the Zurich last last week or got, you know, a nice finish. So Aaron Rye, Davis Riley, Taylor Moore all finished uh fourth. There was a big log jam of guys of teams at T4. So they're they're there. I guess David Riley, a bit exciting. We've seen the upside from him. I do not think he's necessarily a consistent golfer. Aaron Rye, on the other hand, probably a bit more consistent because the way he does things, ball striking, uh, finished fourth at the Zurich, finished 29th at the Valero Texas Open. He had a couple of good starts before those miscuts at the API and in Punta Cana. Um, Lonto's kind of interesting. Not super excited about that. I think maybe my favorite in this range. Wow. Um, that's really tough to say. Maybe it's Sahith Tagala. He can move it enough. He's probably top third in uh, driving distance. Played well in Punta Cana. If you want to do like the strokes gain tropical thing, we can do that, right? There's all right. Let's 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 do a couple of things real quick. Maybe we can find some guys in the eight thousand dollar range. Let's go over to the Holy Grail. Let's go by tournament. Let's just start messing around with this um, a little bit. Let's start with uh, what I called strokes gain tropical, which is you know there's these stops on the PGA Tour that. Uh, are generally by the ocean. They could be past Palom. Uh, they usually get weaker fields, and they're usually close to the ocean, which I think I said already. Um, and, and we usually don't have shot link for them, right? That's that's the other thing. So that would be like Bermuda, uh, Puerto Rico, Punta Cana, and this event. If I'm thinking about all of them correctly, let me load those in. All right, so. Tony Finau, number one, uh, because he's played just one of these dating back to 2009 as a Puerto Rico Open. He won it. Adam Long uh, is next. Again, he's only played this once. He finished fifth in Punta Cana. Chad Ramey. Uh, again, we'll get to these guys. I'm just looking for $8,000 guys at the moment. The first one that pops up is Davis Riley. Davis Riley has played two different events. He finished 39th in Puerto Rico, 7th in Bermuda. Lanto has two events under his belt, T28 in Punta Cana. T18 and Bermuda, those were 18 and 19. Man, the 8K range is very weak. I mean, you're looking at these, the, the tropical side of things. There are a ton of $6,000 guys who are better than the 8K guys. There's a ton of 7K guys that are better than them. All right, let's try um, Let's try something else. We, we've got to figure out, let's just look at, I guess just let's just look at the guys in the 8K range. So just raw strokes gain. Taylor Moore has been the best. Um well, let's not do it like that because that's his entire career. That's going to include Corn Ferry Tour stuff. Let's go back to the let's go back to the weighted power rankings. Where did we find the AK guy? CT Pan was number one, but this course is so big for him. Charles Howell the third, eighty four. Oh my god! I mean, maybe Mark Hubbard, but he's also not that long off the tee. I got to admit, guys, this is really one of the worst ranges I think I've seen in a long time. I mean, if you were if you were really needing to wade in here. I'd feel comfortable with Riley knowing he's not all that safe. I guess I'd feel okay with Taylor Moore. I wouldn't be thrilled about it. This is bad. It's I, I have very little confidence in all these guys. Maybe we skip the 10s. Maybe we skip the 8s. Maybe we go straight to the 7s because that's where we did find a lot of the good value, right? Ramey at 7,900. He won in Punta Cana. Um has played well in both of his tropical type events. Adam Long was up there. Austin Smotherman has won the Mexico Open, but that was before it became this official PGA Tour event. They've been playing the Mexico Open for like 60 years, probably longer than that. Um, he he won it a handful of years ago. It was not an official PGA Tour event. He's a great ball striker, probably good vibes there. Uh, the 7K range seems much more rich with talent, or at least guys I'm comfortable with at the price, than what we saw in the 8K range. 
One of the most fascinating golfers has to be Emiliano Grillo, who you saw in that um, uh, strokes gain tropical. He's got like 34, 38 rounds. He's been awesome in these types of events. Look at what he's done recently. I don't know what happened, but he has missed one, two, three, four, five straight cuts, seven of his last eight, 10 of his last 12. That's troublesome. He's not driving it well anymore. He's not hitting his irons well anymore. He never putted well. Wow. I mean, maybe if there was ever a place to get right, it'd be back on past Pollen, but this is shocking. He has completely fallen off a cliff. He is um, $7,200. I doubt you've ever heard me say this, but it's Wyndham Clark week. <laughs> Wyndham Clark is $7,600. 22nd in Punta Cana. Made the cut to Valero, Texas Open. Uh, then he finished 35th in at Harbortown and 10th at the Zurich. So we've got a, a good run of golf here. Wyndham Clark is long off the tee, right? He's top five in driving distance, third in driving distance, 195th in accuracy. Nope, no problem there. I don't, I don't particularly care about that. He puts it okay, right? He's actually better than average with the putter. You can see, can get hot, can get streaky. Uh, in that strokes gained tropical thing that I did, uh, Wyndham Clark also popped up, right? Because you've got Punta Cana. Let's do uh, let's do a couple of these. One second, Punta Cana. Whoops, Punta Cana, Bermuda, uh, Puerto Rico. Here's here's Wyndham Clark. So he's played basically one of each. 2019 Puerto Rico Open, T10. Runner up at the Bermuda Championship in 2020, T22 in Punta Cana. We've got everything going for us here, right? I think this is I think this is recent form. I think it is perceived course fit. I think it is uh, regional, right? Strokes gain tropical. I don't know what else to call it. Like, if you believe in all of that, uh, Wyndham Clark's a pretty good play at 7600 bucks. And as you can imagine, the $6,000 range doesn't get, uh, doesn't get much better. Ben Martin has played okay. He finished runner-up in Punta Cana uh, a couple of starts ago. Kind of just looking at form. Justin Lauer, who has gone you know 10th at the Zura Classic. He had a 15th in Punta Cana. Okay, that's not bad. We do have some guys that made decent runs uh, last week. If you look at the power rankings... The first six thousand guy, that six thousand dollar guy that pops up in the weighted strokes gained uh, power rankings is Dylan Wu, sixty six hundred dollars. Um, that's eight events. He's not particularly long off the tee, but um, if you if you like the the power rankings here, he's number one for the six K guys, and he is fifteenth uh, in this field. If you go a little bit further, and we'll run a model as well. Um, Luke Donald is twenty fourth, but man. This is a long place for him. Ryan Armour's 26th. Man, this is a long place for him. Lauer's in there as well. $6,800. He is uh, 25th. I already mentioned him. Boy, slim pickings. All right, what else can we find? Um, Ryan Brem is 6,300. He's pretty long, isn't he? He's a big guy. Let's check out Ryan Brem. Actually looks like Brem is no longer in the field. So we don't have to, we do not have to uh, look at him any longer. Patrick Flavin's kind of cold-blooded. He's been, um, he's Monday qualified like four or five times this year. He's in again on a Monday qualifier. Man, really, really bad. Let's see if we can find somebody in the model. All right, what are we going to do this week? Um, all right, let's do last 16 rounds. Let's just get freaky here. Last 16 rounds. Let's do driving distance 25. I think it's going to matter. Approach play, let's do weighted approach play because we've got guys from all over the place. Uh, let's do 20 there. 
Let's do a little bit on sand save, which is something I don't normally do, but there's a ton of bunkers out here. So that's 60 out of 100. Okay, so what I also need to do now is probably create uh, a little bit of uh, an emphasis on, on, on weighted strokes game putting if I think this is going to turn into a, um, a birdie fest. And then we've got par 4 scoring and par 5 scoring, which I'm kind of interested in. Fives are going to be, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the scorecard just thinking, what's the path to success here? And maybe it is kind of these longer approach shots on the fours and maybe on the five. So let's do that. I've got 25 left. Let's just do 12 on 175 to one uh, to 200 and then 13, my remaining 13 on over shots over 200 yards. If you read the... Um, the media handbook that I, that I played out, you'll you'll see there's like a lot of crosswinds, and you'll see that it'll some of the spots, some of the holes will say, oh, the the approach shots will be longer from here. Um, let's go with this. It's kind of a wonky one, but we got a wonky week, and we can embrace it. My number one golfer is, oh god, this is how you know it's a weird week, and I threw in a weird model. My number one golfer is Kurt Kitayama, believe it or not. Tony Finau number two, that's cool. Gary Woodland, three. All good with that. Carlos Ortiz, Scott Gucheski, <laughs> Kevin Chappell, Abraham Answer, Austin Smotherman, Winsome Clark, Cam Tringali, Danny Lee, Kevin Na. That rounds out my top 12. Where's John Rahm? 17. Wow. Because Rahm doesn't get as big of a boost in the last 16 from his weighted uh, strokes gained approach. That would be, yeah, if we open this up a little bit. It's obviously a small sample size and a lot of weird stats. So here's what I'm thinking. I like the I like the lo- the love for Finau and Woodland and Smotherman and Wyndham Clark. All good there. Got to figure out what to do with Kurt Kitayama. I, mean, I think he actually played pretty well last week at the Zurich with his partner. Uh, Kiradat Afi Barnrat, I believe, was that pairing. Carlos Ortiz. I feel like he's going to get the big bump from the Mexico side of things. I didn't think he'd been all that good. So I'll have to look into Ortiz. I want to look into Chapel. And I want to look into Tringali because Tringali is kind of the sneaky one, right? There's there's a clear tier of golfers in here. Uh, Rom is in a tier of his own. Then it's basically I think it's maybe Finau, Answer, Woodland, and maybe Tringali, or is, is Tringali the start of the next tier? And he's probably 22, 25 to one. He's got a couple of top 12s coming into this, playing much better since a little bit of a mini slump. It's kind of a wild card. So I, I like that. So I got to figure out what to do with those guys. I got to figure out ownership and all that fun stuff, uh, which we'll cover on Wednesday during the live chat. Should be fun. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to win all the money. I'm looking forward to it. Tweet me at Rick Rudgood. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.